So as the host of a podcast, it's my job to, I think, make it seem like I have some idea of what's going on here. And so there's a question of whether for this episode, it is a good idea for me to lead with how I feel like I'm in over my head. But of course, that's what I'm going to do. My whole brand is built on the premise that I'm just a dog chasing cars. Welcome to episode six of In Linky Land. My name is Tony Albrecht. And I, as I was preparing for this episode and reading up on, on my conversation partners, Tara Horsmeyer and Nick Bennett, um, this was the first one where both of the other people in the conversation have been at this LinkedIn game a lot longer than I have been. And by a lot longer, it's a year and a half. <laughs> but you know, Tara's network's at 25K and Nick just passed 40K. And, and they're both really good at what they do. And I that's that's not to say anything about my my folks I've been doing this with for the previous five episodes. I I've had some heavy hitters in there as well. Uh, but this is the first one where I really felt like the junior participant in the conversation. And I tried to use it as an opportunity to shut my mouth and listen more. And there's a lot to listen to in this one. Uh, Nick is uh, the director of evangelism and customer marketing at Alice. Um, he's also the host of Rep Your Brand, a fantastic podcast. I mean, really, I I blew through like four episodes in prep preparing for this podcast. And those are succinct, really efficient, and really juicy episodes with a lot of great people, most of whom you can find here on LinkedIn. So I definitely want to plug that podcast. You can find a link to it in the show notes. Uh, Tara, uh, we get in this a little bit, but she came to LinkedIn and started creating content through her time at Gravy. And uh, working with Casey Graham, who has been a pretty big figure on LinkedIn over the last couple of years, though he's gone away, I guess, really this year, most of 2022. Uh, but Casey's actually the common link or the how I got connected with Evan Chastine, who was on episode four and is the producer of the podcast you are listening to right now. Um, and Tara's now out on her own with Happy Words, her ghostwriting and consulting business, where she works with executives on LinkedIn strategy and execution. And this episode, you might want the, the notes handy. I mean, I, I came away with ideas uh, or just ways of thinking about different aspects of engaging on LinkedIn. We talked about choppy copy. We talked about having a mastermind in your pocket, 
talked about pressing pause before you press post. I mean, just these really digestible ways of thinking about different aspects of the platform that uh, by the end of this episode, I promise you, you'll be better at LinkedIn than you are right now. Um, so that being said, I, I don't think you need to hear more from me. Let's just get after it, right? Yeah, let's go. All right, uh, Tara, Nick, thank you for being here on the podcast. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one in, in that it's a little different than the first five episodes. And, that I, and I didn't quite realize it until I was prepping for this one, but this is the first episode where I am really the new guy in the room. Um, in, I, in all of the previous episodes, most of us have kind of started in 2021, more or less, other, other than one. And in this one, I'm here with two bona fide, legit content creators on LinkedIn. So um, I'm not going to say I'm a little intimidated, but I typically in these episodes, I like it when we roll for like 15 minutes at a time and I don't say anything. In this one, I'm expecting that I may be able to go for 30 minutes without saying anything at given points. So thank you so much for, for being willing to come on. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. <laughs> cool. So we are, we're getting into authenticity. Uh, that's going to be the, the main rabbit hole we're jumping down. One of the, the buzziest of buzzwords on LinkedIn and one that people have really strong opinions about. And I, I know that the two of you have a lot of insight into say, the power of understanding that word and how to effectively embody and leverage it uh, with what you're doing on LinkedIn. Uh, but since this podcast is about the power of creating and connecting on LinkedIn, um, I want to start with your stories about uh, LinkedIn and how the platform turned for you from being one thing to being this, this place where you've managed to build uh, these really engaged, sizable followings where Tara, you're, you're about to break 25,000, I believe in your network. And Nick, you just broke 40,000. Congrats on that. Thank um, you. And um, I actually already kind of know this story since I listened to the podcast, the two of you did on Nick's rep your brand. Uh, but yeah, if we could just spend a little bit of time on, on that, on how you came to have that sort of matrix like moment where, where the platform opens up and turns into this totally different thing. Uh, Tara, how about you lead us off? Sure. So my journey began three years ago this fall. So I love this time of year because it always reminds me of how I got started on LinkedIn 
And I think like a lot of people, I had no idea that LinkedIn really existed other than what we all did, which is, you know, when I kind of went into the corporate world and, and heard more about, okay, well, this LinkedIn thing, it's really a place, like everybody says, to hold your resume. So 2008, you know, I think I like signed up, had a, I don't even know if I had a profile picture, I'll be completely honest, um, connected with some coworkers, some past people I went to school with. And that was really it for 13 years until, uh, gosh, 2019. So this, or no, 2000, yep, fall of 2019 right before, you know, all, all heck broke loose. Uh, my former C my CEO at the time, Casey Graham, a lot of people know him uh, at Gravy. He did kind of the same thing. I think his story was that he actually signed online randomly one day, um, didn't know his password, nothing. And <laughs> I think he was going to like cancel his account or something. It was one of those just like randomly ended up on LinkedIn. And all of a sudden, I think um, he talks about it, but he saw a post from Sarah Brazier that just blew up. And he was like, oh my gosh, where did this content creation platform come from? Like, I had no idea. And so he started talking about it internally. And uh, at that point, I was uh, I was an SDR, leading SDRs, kind of building out that part of our business. And I just saw him make so many connections, learn like that to me, because I was in, and I still am um, in sponge mode. So I saw him connecting with people who, you know, uh, Josh Braun, Sarah Brazier, um, Rosa, um, San, oh gosh, uh, RevOps, awesome. So all of these people he had incredible calls with and then would come back and Slack and tell us about everything he was learning. So I, of course, start following his journey and just really made it my own because I loved how he was connecting. I got on a call with Sarah Brazier uh, three years ago and she just really demystified LinkedIn, you know, as far as being an SDR at that point, and then um, how to build out that strategy. And so my whole goal was, hey, I'm just going to learn. <laughs> you know, like I am not in content creation, but like that never entered my mind. Uh, I just really started connecting with people, specifically in the sales world, who I was learning like a madman. I always called, you know, LinkedIn my mastermind in my pocket because really for the first, you know, six, eight months, um, I did everything that, you know, people kind of tell you not to, but I don't. I'm like, just do what you got to do. Uh, so I just lurked. I learned and, and I made a lot of connections in the DMs. So anytime someone would post something, I would connect with them, shoot them a message, just thank them for like, hey, I learned this or I used this trick or, you know, and then I started commenting. I was like, oh, I'm going to get public, you know, and I really just learned by watching Casey just come out, you know, and, and really put himself out there. Uh, and then after a while, I'm like, well, shoot, why am I not, you know, just sharing what I'm learning and what I'm doing. And so it was in June of 2020 that I really got my swimming legs under me and started posting and, and never looked back. Uh, so that was, that was the start of my journey. Now in those two and a half years since then, uh, things have changed a lot. I think the biggest part for me and the whole authenticity um, angle is that I never really learned um, how I was supposed to do LinkedIn. <laughs> As in like, I, I didn't have people kind of like, this is how you do X, Y, Z. I just did what I felt was natural and comfortable. And honestly, that's how I've approached every single role or everything I've done is that if it doesn't feel good or authentic or genuine, because I love to replace authenticity with the word genuine. If it doesn't feel genuine to me, then I know I'm not going to sustain it. I'm not going to keep it up. I can, you know, it's all like fake it till you make it. I'm like, I can do that for exactly two seconds and then I'm out. <laughs> so, 
I just don't enjoy things like that. And for LinkedIn to become something that was sustainable as in not just jump in, do something real quick and then jump out. But if I'm actually going to develop a voice, try to help people, try to, you know, even just get things out of my own brain. Um, I, it had to be a place that I felt I was showing up as much as me as I understood at the time. Um, and so it's been a transforming experience because of course, I've transformed a lot in the last two years and I've grown as I think most people do. So my content has changed and grown. What I talk about has changed and grown. Um, but I think most of all, my uh, dedication to want to bring who I am and really what I'm feeling, thinking, doing at the moment uh, remains the same. And so I'm not somebody who schedules content because I'm such a feeler <laughs> that if I don't feel that post, um, I'm not posting it. I'm not going to write it. I'm not going to put it out in the world. So I take a little different approach, but that's, uh, that's just me staying genuine to who I am. And so that really has been my journey of kind of how I started and, and really where I am today. Cool. And I've got a couple thoughts based on some of the things you said there. I'm going to hold off on, on those for the moment. Uh, Nick, how about you? Yeah. You know, for me, I, I'm a traditional field marketer. So, you know, field marketing to me is being out in the field with the sales team, driving middle of funnel, bottom of funnel pipeline. And so being a field marketer, I put on a lot of events or I have put on a lot of events over the years, thousands of them. And I was always the person on LinkedIn that would hit share on a company post and I would add no context to it. It would literally hit share, go sign up for this webinar. Now, if someone was to see that in the feed, like why would they go sign up for this webinar? Because some random person that's a field marketer posted it, like there was nothing behind that. And I was doing it so often where I was just like, share, share. And I was like consuming stuff, but I would always scroll. I would never comment on other people's things. And I've had a LinkedIn. I mean, it was probably, I mean, I graduated college in 2010. So, I mean, shortly after that, I, I actually moved into sales. And I, I remember creating a LinkedIn from that. And I never did anything with it. And I was just like, oh, all right, this is cool. Um, I was like, I see this platform as a way to basically like, you know, this is how you find jobs at, at the end of it. And I worked for a company called Clary uh, back in 2019. And Kyle Coleman, who I'm sure people have maybe heard of on LinkedIn, he was actually my boss. And so Kyle is someone that has always been, you know, he's been creating content for a while on LinkedIn. And I remember we were in Laguna Beach. Um, it was actually February of 2020. And we were doing our revenue kickoff. And it was, you know, sales, marketing, CS, basically all revenue functions that were there. And he was like, hey, you know, to his direct reports, he's like, hey, this is all the benefits that I've seen from creating content on LinkedIn. I'm going to put out a challenge to, to my direct reports. And, you know, why don't you create content for the next 30 days? Nothing crazy. Just stay consistent for the next 30 days. And he, he kind of gave us like ideas of what to talk about. And he's like, for me, he's like, why don't you talk about field marketing? He said, literally out of, you know, at the time it was like 680 million users on LinkedIn. He's like, no one talks about field marketing, the misconceptions of what it is to a revenue organization, how it impacts, how it's more than just events. Um, although there's such a, like a, a you know, a, a thing that people think like, oh, you're just an event planner at the end of the day. And I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. I, I like that. And so I stuck to it until 30 days goes by, like literally no one was liking my stuff or, or commenting on it. It was literally right as the pandemic happened. Cause we got back from Laguna beach. I remember flying back 
from there to Boston. And I'm reading on the news, like, oh, you know, you know, pandemic coronavirus, like, you know, watch out. And I'm like, oh, you know, is this really going to turn into anything? I remember talking to a few colleagues that were with me flying back. And then obviously we we know what happened with that. And um, this became my pandemic hobby. And we, I literally stuck with it for 30 days. And then I stuck with it for three months. Then I stuck with it for six months. And I talked about field marketing for the majority of the time. And again, no one was really liking my stuff. I was just creating content, but I said, you know what? I like a competition. I like when people challenge me to things that I'm not typically have done before. And I'm not a great writer. I'll be completely honest with you. Like I actually don't enjoy writing. Um, I have gotten a lot better over the last couple of years, but it was just something where I just didn't really enjoy it, but I understood how to write LinkedIn copy because for me, I call it choppy copy. And so like, I understand how to like break up the lines and how to make it flow easily. Someone that's, you know, scrolling their feed, how to make it like basically, you know, something that people would want to read. And so I stuck with that for a while. And um, it was about six months in where I saw a little bit of traction by a little bit of traction. I mean, like I would get like 2000 views on like a post of mine and like maybe 10 comments or like 10 likes. And I was like, all right, cool. So I just stuck with it. And now we're what, like, it'll be in, in March of 2023, it'll actually be three years of, of, of creating content. And I'm talking about like, I have only taken two breaks maybe over that that span and like by a break I mean like a week and a half to two weeks break and it's usually around the holidays and then I got super burnt out this past June um and I went on like a family vacation my first one in four years so um yeah it's 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 been really really crazy and honestly I I can't thank Kyle enough for for challenging me to start to put something out there because he was always like listen this is going to be the way that you level up both personally and professionally and you're going to punch above your weight class and it was always something that stayed with me it was like all right cool like if i see what Kyle's doing and how successful he is why can't I do that as well? Just from a different lens. I mean, he talks about SDRs for the most part. And like I was talking about field marketing and now I've branched out and I talk about a lot of different things, but it's it was such an interesting journey. And if it wasn't for him, I'd probably still be that person that's just hitting share on a, a company post. I love it. I feel like our journeys are so similar. I mean, both, you know, you had Kyle at Claire, I had Casey at Gravy. And I think that is the power of having someone go before you and somebody really just letting you borrow their belief of like, hey, you can do this too. Like, I love how you said that it really becomes what um, pushes you personally and professionally, but helps you punch above your weight class, because that's exactly how I felt. And I think you and I were both interesting too, where a lot of people say, you know, start wide and then, you know, niche down or niche down. And you and I both started, you know, very, very, very narrow and then went wider. So it just shows that there's so many ways to engage and start, but I love how Nick and I have such similar journeys. Um, and I think I'm the one who like keeps encouraging him to take breaks because I take a lot of breaks. That's probably where we're different. I'm like, Oh no, I don't need to do this every day. It's I know. And I, I need to do a better job of that because I feel like one other thing is like this platform has absolutely changed. Like LinkedIn as a platform has changed even in the last 18 months than what it was like when we first started creating content here. It's like, you know, it, it's it's not the same. And I, 
as more creators come on and, and start to create on LinkedIn, I remember reading, this was a couple of weeks ago, but you know, two years ago, two and a half years ago, 1% of users created content. I don't know. I mean, at the time, say 650 million users. So 1% of that. In the end of 2022, I was reading, it might be as high as 4%. Of, and I think, that, I think I just read they're up to 810 million users right now. Um, so you think about that, you know, 4%, like that's a dramatic jump over just a short span. And obviously, as more people come on and start to flood the, the, the platform, organic reach is going to continue to go down. And I mean, I know I've personally seen that over the last, uh, since September, actually. Mm -hmm. But if you're in it, in, I mean, we can get into this. If you're in it for like, you know, just the views and the, the dopamine hits, we're, uh, we're in it for the wrong reason. Yeah, I've, I mean, I, I see that too, because I think you and I both have the heart of what's going to sustain us, you know, and some people, what sustains them is the rhythm of like, hey, if I'm not creating twice a day or once a day or, you know, five days a week, then I get out of rhythm and I can't get back on that horse, you know, whereas I am a little different where it's like, if I am creating five days a week for me personally, because I'm in a little different game or a little different boat, um, then that's actually going to burn me out a lot faster than where I usually stand around three to four times a week and then comment and engage like crazy because that to me is the fun part because LinkedIn is really I say this all the time it's my sandbox like this is where I come to play my personal content where I come to connect and I come to have fun because of what I do and the fact that I am writing so much content not for me but you know with my with my clients um so I am creating much more than the average creator but yet in order for my content and yours too, I think to be genuine, to be authentic to where I'm not starting to sound like someone else. It's interesting that, you know, you can take both takes of like, Hey, I need to stay with this and I need to stay on it versus me where I'm like, I actually need to pull away some. And I need to make sure that because, you know, of the way I write and the way I have to connect emotionally with my writing, which is like, I go against every rule in the book. Um, you know, everybody's like, disconnect, you care too much. Well, and I'm like, no, like I'm a writer. So when I put something out there, like I'm putting a piece of me out there and I'm not ashamed of that. And so I definitely feel like it feels good, but it also takes a toll that if I was doing that, two or three times a day, um, I think I, I personally would have just way too much, you know, of a, of a pull on rather than it being um, a place that I love to come and have fun and, and really support other people. Um, because if I didn't post one thing, I know I would stay on LinkedIn forever just to show up for you guys to show up for other people and um, just learn and be a sponge and, and really support those who I love to support. And I'm lucky enough to be able to share my thoughts a few times a week, um, you know, without those breaks sometimes <laughs> mm. uh, i'm in sponge mode now already um you've given me about seven different directions to to go in here which is awesome um i want to zero in on on authenticity for a second and and dig into what that means um to both of you and and how you think about this um because I, you, you are two people who have nailed that, right? You, you show up in this very, uh, Tara, I, I use the word genuine all the time to, to describe authenticity as well, right? Is it's just, it's real, right? It's, they're just real pieces of ourselves that we're putting out there. Um, but I'm interested to hear, particularly in the context of um, 
to what you were saying about how you've changed in the two plus years that you've been creating where, so both of you are starting in, uh, Nick, you're more on like the rev side and Terry, you were coming from the sales side, uh, gravy, um, to where, you know, like you're, you're in at least slightly different places. Right. And, or Tara, it seems like you, you're in a very different place actually from where you were there. Um, so that idea of like starting where you both kind of started in your niche and me, me as well. And, and Nick, I don't know if you did Justin Walsh's operating system. Did you? So I, I took it, I took it way later. Like, okay. And actually, actually I'm trying to think, I don't even take, I didn't take the operating system. I took the second one that he did right. um, because I was in his audience and income uh, community. And I remember he was like, Hey, you know, you want to check this out. And so I checked it out, but I was like, I, you know, this was like two years into this whole process. Gotcha. But Tara, you did it, right? You did. Yeah. It. So okay. I think all in that same community and I did most of it <laughs> okay kind of like like there's definitely parts that I'm like oh yeah like we're you know we're already kind of down but I did I also got his first course I think whichever the, the operating was, system yeah 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 I feel, okay yeah, maybe the, it was, I the, was one before. the second one was the content creation right I, yeah I didn't. okay <laughs> well and I bring that up because yeah. that was that was my start on this is like I was getting out of litigation uh, a year ago this week uh, and the role I was transitioning into was going to be a sales role. And I was told I needed to learn LinkedIn and LinkedIn had been nothing but my digital resume since 2008. I was like, all right, I'll learn whatever. I had very low expectations. Um, did that course, decided to pick creativity as my corner to stand on because I've been studying creativity for six years and, you know, have run my, my own little community around uh, making progress on creative projects. Uh, so haters hate creators create Nick. I, I love that line. That's fantastic. Um, and actually I'll give a shout out to the Mavens of Merch who the, the episode featuring them is dropping. We're recording this on Monday. It is dropping on Wednesday, uh, October 26th. So, um, it, it all comes together. It all comes full circle. But anyway, so I, when doing that course, like for me, my goal in getting involved on LinkedIn, LinkedIn and starting to create content was to get in front of basically nonprofit leaders. So I was going into nonprofit consulting, right? So I was just looking to gain traction so that I could get in front of them and also help my leadership team develop their presence on LinkedIn. So I chose creativity because I could just riff on it all day, every day. Um, and now I find myself at this point where I'm making what I hope is a, an elegant shift that maybe people barely even notice. So I'm, I'm interested in that aspect. Um, from from both of you and and let's just talk for a second about how you think about authenticity. Ooh. I mean, so so I'll, I'll throw kick things off. So for me, 
I want to be able to bring like my true self onto this platform. Like I hate that people paint a perfect picture that everything is like so beautiful and like there's no failures out there and it's all successes and you have these salespeople making, you know, seven figures and like, oh man, I want to be like them. I mean, even like, you know, take someone like Justin Welsh, for example, he's awesome, but like, you know, it's people, new creators come on and they see people like, you know, a Justin Welsh or a Chris Walker or Dave Gerhardt. Um, and they say like, I want to be like that because, you know, I see all the money that they're making. I see like the followers that they have. However, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. If you're trying to compare yourself to people that are years ahead of you, it's like, you know, there's no overnight hacks and there's people that are joining, you know, pods and engagement groups and trying to game the system, which I think is silly to even do. Like, I don't see the benefit of that, but like, for me, I just want to show up of like who I am. Like, yo, know, I'll give you a good example. This past weekend, I posted a picture of my daughter in her Halloween costume. It was like a chocolate covered strawberry. And like, we were at the zoo and I was like, you know what? Like I post pictures of her all the time. Like we were at a fair a couple of weeks ago. And like, I want people to know who I am beyond just a marketer. And something that we do at Alice is like, we, we talk about everyone knows what your nine to five is. You know, you're a marketer, you're a salesperson, you're a founder, executive, whatever. But what are you passionate about in your five to nine that truly makes who you are as an individual? And like, that's the person that I want to connect with. And that's the person that I want others to basically get to know me as. Like for me, you know, I play baseball. I have a four-year-old daughter. You know, I love Boston sports. And I want to kind of bring that onto the platform because I think it speaks to who I am as an individual and also rounds me out as a person. It's like, you know, there's so many people that create content that only talk about like the professional aspect of it. It's like, and I get it like that. That's fine. I'm not saying they, they shouldn't, but for me, I feel like people can get to know me on a deeper level when I do bring these personal things in and, you know, sharing about baseball and sharing about all this other stuff. And to me, that's what like authenticity really means. It's like just being the same person online as I would be if we were to go grab a drink at the bar down the street. And like, there's so it's, it's funny. Cause now that in-person events are back, there's so many people that I've met in real life that I've been following on LinkedIn for a while and they are not who they seem to be in some cases. And it's really weird. Like some, and I don't want to like throw anyone under the bus, but like there's people that like, they portray themselves as one way on LinkedIn. And then after talking to them for a few hours and grabbing some drinks, like completely different. And I'm just like, why do you pretend to be something that you're not when like, this is really who you are? And they're like, well, this is what I think people want to see me as. And I'm like, well, like, again, you should be authentic to yourself and you should want, you shouldn't care what others think at the end of the day. And I know it's hard to say that in a world of like digital, but like I'll, at the end of the day, you need to look out for yourself. And like, it's, it's, it's weird that people would want to do that or feel the need to do that. But I think that more and more people do do that because they just want to portray an image to the masses but that's not really who they are. And they feel like, well, hey, I might never see most of these people. So, you know, what what really matters? And that's not authentic to me. And so for me, I will always be that same person regardless. And I mean, when, you know, 
when we meet, whenever that is, you will be the same Nick as we are talking right now. And um, I can absolutely guarantee you that. That's really well said. And I, I was hoping you were going to name names. I was looking forward to that part. I mean, <laughs> it, and if you want to, you can't, I promise nobody's going <laughs> to hear this. It's just the three of us in here. But, um, you know, it, in my legal career, the way I thought about LinkedIn was just a place where I'm trying not to do anything to get fired. Right. So it's like this idea of professionalism and how it seems to be changing very quickly. And it seems LinkedIn is a place where that shift is taking place in real time, where professional seemed to mean just fit in, right? Just stay buttoned up, stay, you don't actually show who you are, show who you think the world wants you to be or who your industry leaders or your boss wants you to be, right? And so I, I can understand, well, I guess that gets to the heart of this being authentic thing, right? Nick, where you're saying that people, it turns out, oh, you're not actually like how you seem to be. In my career in law, that was everybody. Like when you actually talk to people for 20 minutes, you realize, oh, you, you aren't actually anything like the two-dimensional cardboard cutout that your headshot makes it look like you are, right? Um, and it isn't a, a tremendous, it's a tremendous opportunity, but Tara, how do you think about it? No, I love everything Nick said, cause it, it is true, you know, but I think that I come at it from a, from the angle of like, okay, we all have the buzzword personal brand, you know? And, uh, I remember somebody talking about this once, um, and it was along the lines of like, Hey, everybody has a brand. Everybody has a personal brand. Um, you just, <laughs> you just have to become aware of what it already is. You know, we have a brand with our friends. We have a brand with our spouse or our partner. We have a brand with our kids. We have a brand with um, our work, you know, our fellow workers. And it is interesting because I don't think that authenticity in the space that we're talking about as far as LinkedIn is necessarily for everybody. It's a journey, essentially. Like it is a journey of self-discovery, especially when you're creating content online that um, I am not, I was authentic to who I was two and a half years ago when I started creating. I am authentic to who I am now, <clears throat> but it's very different content. Um, it was probably a lot more buttoned up back then because I just didn't know better. And at that point I was, I, I had different goals. So for me, it really should align not as much with like, Hey, am I the same person, you know, online sharing content as I am, if I was hanging out with my best friend, you know, and we're going out for a walk in theory, my character should be my characteristics, mm. who I am. Mm. I should be, if I am, you know, kind, warm, welcoming, all of that. I mean, heck yeah, I want to be that online. If I'm a little bit more polarized and like push the envelope, you know, offline, then I want to bring that online, you know, and, and really think through like, okay, when you are creating goals, what or when you are creating content, what are your goals, you know? And so I, whenever I work with anybody or even myself, I love to go through this whole no like, and trust. I think it's the sales in me, um, scenario of content that surrounds those three pillars, so to speak of like, Hey, does this allow somebody to get to know you? Like actually know to Nick's point, what I do in my life, you know, like, am I, um, somebody who really enjoys family time? Am I somebody who really enjoys, you know, nature? Am I somebody who loves sports? Am I someone who loves music? Bring more of that. So people say, Hey, I feel like I know this person, or at least I know that part of them online like them. And so whenever I work with this, it's a different, like 
it's not so much likability as in like, oh, they're warm and fuzzy, but it's more like, I like what they stand for. So coming with a point of view. So allowing people deeper, not again, to next point, not this is what I think people want me to say, but it's more, hey, these are opinions that I actually hold and whether or not, and this is where I think my, my last maturity thing of like being mature people on LinkedIn, plays such a, an important role to this authenticity thing of like, hey, I can authentically disagree with you and still like you and still like what you stand for and like who you are. And for me more, I love the fact that you are so, you have such strong convictions and core beliefs and you're willing to put them out there and other people tear down and come at you, but that's not going to change who you are. That to me is a likable person, whether or not I agree with them. And if you can have personal, like, I don't really agree with this, but more power to you, you know? And then the last one is trust. And this is where I think most people, um, I think like you were both saying, most people spend their time there. They spend 99% of their LinkedIn content on their expertise, on their, um, the, the how to, the you know, which is so important and it's vital, but it just stands so shallow when you don't bring the no and the like piece to it. So what I typically do is try to like put that on its head of like, that should be a part of your strategy. You know, you should be putting out what you do, why, field marketing, you know, is where is winning now. What are the different thoughts around that? Again, that's where most people start. I started in all sales and SDR talk, you know, because that's what I was doing. But then once I started realizing like, my gosh, I'm spending time here. Like I want people to know me, you know, and, and I want people to like what I stand for, whether or not they agree with me. Um, so that to me, when you can really paint a full picture of those three um, parts of you, in your content, that's where I feel like, okay, they are a genuine person. And then if you can learn ways, whether it's through using video, using emojis, using wording or in your comments to bring your personality, that's where I feel like people are like, okay, now when I meet Tara, when I meet Nick, when I meet Tony, I feel like I know them, I like them and I can trust them. And shocker, I may want to work with them one day, or I may want to introduce them to someone who can help them, or I may just want to be their cheerleader, even if we never work together. And that's where I think relationships really come off the platform and where you just become such a supporter of all of these people around you, even if there is no revenue tied to it, because you've aimed for the relationship the whole time. No, I was just going to say, I, I completely, I completely agree with you. And you know, what, what's interesting, I feel like there's I feel like the way that people create content like today, like present day compared to like when we got started, like, I feel like there's people that, that try to take like templated angles and like, they're trying to figure out how the algorithm works versus trying to be like who they are really like, you know, there's, there's people that I don't, again, they don't, you know, maybe they don't intentionally mean to game the system or whatever it is, but like, they want to, they want to figure out like, okay, does Twitter screenshots work? Like do videos work? Do photos work? Selfies apparently work now. Like it's, it's people that like, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out the ways to, to, to leverage those things. But like, again, they just, they're, they're trying to do it to like grow as fast as they can, but they're not always being like their, their true, like genuine self. Yeah. I'm, I'm a plus one on all that. And I know we've been in conversations similarly around just some different comments around that. And 
you know, I, I am one of those people. I, I joke that I'm like the little engine that could, because I kind of exploded like you. And then the last two years, since I've just really reinvented myself, um, I've, I've come away from so much of, you know, I wouldn't say worrying about that, but there was so much of focus on year one of like, oh my gosh, you know, you got to hit this milestone and be on this list and all of that. And I'm like, oh, what are we doing? Like, I don't get this. Um, and then now it's like, just, I'm excited to show up and create great content and do the things that I love to do with the people I love to do them. And everybody, like all of these other conversations, they just start stressing me out because like, again, genuine to myself where I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what's the point of this? Like, I get it. If you want to, to your point, if you want to grow and you want to, you know, I think somebody, Steve Watt, who I just love um, says like, you know, I'm not here to be in your funnel. Like he said it much more eloquently, but I loved that because I'm like, look, we are humans at the end of the day. Like nobody is coming here to be cold pitch, to be, you know, hacked or gained. And that's the thing that I'm like, this isn't a game. Like, yes, the long game, like I get that as then like people, you know, we're building relationships and we're here, but if I'm creating things to actually help, and I say this all the time, I'm like, aim for relationships and the revenue often follows. But if you aim for revenue alone, you're going to miss out on both, you know? And, and when we're talking about networking, we're talking about doing things in a way that I saw my father do as a doctor and how I would drive around when I was 16 with a map quest map. We're talking back in 96, you know, way back then, um, giving these amazing uh, pies to, you know, uh, do other doctor's offices and, um, you know, nurses and all, people who would refer their children, you know, to his pediatric practice. And he just spent the entire year building relationships, knowing like, hey, there's definitely a mutual beneficial business end, but that's not the only end. And that's certainly not going to be, um, hey, if you can't serve me in my business, then you're dead to me kind of thing. And so when I see those things come up and they present in awkward ways, like you're saying of like pods and engagement hacks or all of these to me, it's like, hey, you're playing the wrong game and you're playing a game that ultimately you're going to lose. You may win, but that is not sustainable. And again, I am such a sustainable person where I'm like, I want to be here for the long haul. I want to love coming. And that may mean like, you know, it's a, it's a longer, slower game, but that's okay. Like, I'm not here to like burn out and, you know, try to do all these hacks that just feel disingenuine to me. Again, this is me. This is not saying I'm judging everybody, you know, to, it's not like you do you, but I'm also like, I, I'm not surprised if these people, all of a sudden the algorithm change or things mess up and it's like, I'm out, you know? Um, yeah. So that's just how I approach it in a, in a sustainable fashion for the long haul. And it's more fun because you get to meet some really great people. Yeah. And I was just going to add one thing to that too. You know, what's interesting is like these, the, you know, and again, you know, Hey, if you want to use pods, engagement groups, whatever, like you, you do you, like you said, at the end of the day, like it just, it's not for me, but what's interesting is you have these people that like, you know, you post something and it immediately gets like 2000, 3000 reactions. But what's really interesting is like, you never see these people speaking at events, doing podcasts. It's, it's like, all right, cool. Like anyone can be a tough person behind a keyboard. Um, but like, are you really a thought leader? Are you subject matter expert? Do you want to be known as something and share your thoughts? Or do you just want to sit behind a keyboard and share Twitter screenshots all day? Um, and like, again, nothing against people that that do that. But like, it's interesting that you see that some of these people that get massive 
massive likes and, you know, have massive followings, they're not the ones that are, you know, out there doing additional things for themselves that are probably also driving revenue at the end of the day. And I always found that fascinating. It was like, listen, like, I'm not going to get the massive engagement and the massive likes that many will. And like, I've built a, built a decent following, but I can tell you that like, I've done over 80 podcasts in the last like two years. And like, I've spoken at events and I've driven, you know, hundreds it, it, this year, I'll drive a million dollars in pipeline for, for Alice. And it's like, I think that's more impactful to the content that I create versus just trying to like, I want 5,000 likes on every single post because like, you know, who, who cares? Like if there are a bunch of people that like, aren't going to add value to your feed and to your business, what? It's just the, again, it's the, it's the dopamine pits. Like people want that dopamine to feel good, but like, does feeling good equal revenue? Not usually. Sometimes maybe. <laughs> The revenue feels good. I can remember that. <laughs> the revenue feels good. Well, I want to dig into that a little bit. Is So both of you rely on LinkedIn for driving revenue in different ways, right? So Nick at Alice and Tara with, uh, with your company. Uh, so as somebody who is, you know, I'm nine months plus into my daily posting and, and you know, like I've seen some of the the ways the game changes and frankly the way life changes as a result of of doing this deal and it's it's been incredible i find myself at a point of well frankly wanting to hear from people who are farther down the path than i am who are a year a year and a half farther down this <laughs> this journey um how do you think about mm, how to articulate this the the connection between the two for lack of a better term and i don't need to say more than that you you know how to how to take it from there nick what do you what do you think about that it's you know for for me it's like the connection is like listen like i don't talk about for me it's a little different cuz like i i'm i'm not a like solopreneur like doing my own thing like i work for a company and so the company benefits from me working here um because of the pipeline that i'm able to create and the revenue i'm able to bring like do i see that revenue directly no but i understand it impacts the business plus it i know that i'm setting myself up for future success that i never have to apply to a job again like I could get laid off today and hopefully I could post on LinkedIn that I lost my job, unfortunately, which would suck. But like I would get a ton of DMs, hopefully, unless I did something completely wrong these last two and a half years. And I would be able to be selective about what I want to do next and not have to rely on, oh man, I'm struggling. Like I got to figure out, like take the first job I can because I need to put food on the, like the table for my family. Um, and I think that's why like, you know, just it's the the company is like renting your brand and i've been trying to like get away from using the word like personal branding a little bit and more so talking about like building an audience and like building a community um and i'm changing you know my whole podcast around this because i feel like it's been so talked about for these last couple of years and i feel like it's it's shifting into that like audience mindset now it's like audience first like you know it's it's everything around that um, and so I just think that 
these companies are renting the, the, you know, the brand that you bring to them. And it's like a win-win while you're there, but like, ultimately you're going to move on. You know, my mom's worked for, for Raytheon now for like 45 years and she just hit it last month. And like, um, she's like, you, you've had like seven or eight jobs in these last like 10 years. And I was like, mom, like things are completely different. Like, it's not like, you know, this is her only job she's ever had. She didn't go to college, like right out of high school to Raytheon for this entire time. And she'll retire in a couple of years. And like, I was just like, it's different. And I was just like, you know, I create content so that I don't have to worry about this. And I, I jump jobs because I know I can get 20 to 30% higher pay as well. And I can do some side hustles on it too. And I think all of that plays into like, you know, a lot of the reasoning behind it. Um, but one last thing that I was going to touch on is like, in the content that I create, I actually don't talk about Alice at all. I would say in like 98% of it, I don't talk about Alice at all because I know what's going to happen is when people click my profile and they say, oh, like, cool, what is what does this person do? They're going to see one, like my headline, what I specifically do for Alice. And then they're going to say, oh, cool, what does Alice actually do? Oh, it's a gifting platform, a direct mail. Oh, I'm looking to run some type of program like that. I'm going to go fill out a demo request. And then how did you hear about us? I'm going to put Nick because I saw him on LinkedIn. And I can't tell you how many times I see that on a weekly basis now. And I'm not talking like, you know, there's a lot of like smaller accounts, but last week there was a 30,000 person company that came in that specifically called me out from like seeing me on LinkedIn. Now, like if that deal can come in and close, like, it's massive. Like I like, it's just, and just think about that one deal can like one LinkedIn post can change the whole trajectory of that. Um, and so it's just been, it's been really fascinating to see. And like, that's been my whole mindset behind everything. Cool. And Nick, I know you need to bounce in a minute. Tara, oh yeah. Are you okay to, to stay for a few more minutes after? Okay. We're going to lay and then we'll get to the good stuff after he's gone. But um, I, I wanted to touch just real quick on what you were saying around getting away from personal branding. Cause I, it, in my mind, the two of you have been immersed in this idea for a couple of years now, right? It's, and it is everywhere when you're in it. Um, I'm stepping back. I'm actually, I've, I've fallen ass backward into starting a venture around helping law firms starting to leverage the platform. And I don't know if I'm the first, I'm pretty close to the first, right? Like there are so many industries that just have no idea and they're going to figure it out. And like that 4% number, which is incredible, like going from one to four, like what happens if that number goes to 10 or 20? I mean, which it very well could, right? I mean, it's going to get crazy. So I'm just interested in, in how you are thinking about that shift. Yeah, I think it's why, you know, diversifying is so important. And so like, for me, LinkedIn will always be my number one platform. I have a Twitter, um, I've got like, you know, 3000 followers there, but I don't create content there anymore. It's more to consume. Um, TikTok is like my number two right now. And so like, I've been 
And all I've really been doing is taking my LinkedIn content and then repurposing it into video format because I already have the text written posts. I'm just taking that and either like building on it or something like that. And I've been doing that for about six months now. And then uh, about a week ago, I was like, you know what? I already have these videos. Why aren't I putting these on Instagram Reels? Um, and why aren't I putting this on YouTube Shorts, which are two huge, like YouTube Shorts right now is 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 the next thing to blow up. Like guarantee you, like TikTok is still some good organic reach, but like everything that I've been reading is saying like YouTube Shorts specifically is the next thing that's going to absolutely skyrocket. So if you're looking to diversify and you already have video content out there, it's it's more so just you know distributing it at scale onto these additional platforms because there's going to be different audiences for the most part that that see it. So it's you know why not get it out there because something that maybe just randomly goes viral on like Reels, but maybe not TikTok. It's like you know you never know. But if you're not on these platforms. And yeah, it's a little bit extra work because you got to have the account, you got to do some engaging, you got to like be active and it's hard because, you know, we all have other stuff going on. Um, but I'm trying to test it. You know, I really wanted to more so see like what was the difference between Reels and TikTok and like the creation of video content across that. And then, you know, hey, you could push it over to LinkedIn if you really wanted to. Um, but I just think that's going to be a great way to think about it for the future as more and more organic reach goes down because more creators are creating. Um, I think that you just have to be able to to diversify. And it's like, I just created a newsletter. Um, you know, just there's so many different things that you can do to, again, be able to, to create content from and then like distribute at scale. It's just figuring out and testing different things, but it comes back to bandwidth at the end of the day as well. Right on. I, I appreciate that. And uh, well, that seems like a, a good note to, to leave you on. Um, this is the first one where I'm letting one guest go. While <laughs> <laughs> My initial, I, thought when I had the idea for this podcast a few months ago was that it almost had like a Mr. Rogers feel where yeah you know, like the show starts I put on the sweater somebody <laughs> knocks on the door you let one person in then five minutes later the door there's a knock on the door again somebody else is there um so this is kind of like that maybe maybe we'll yeah. maybe we'll play with that but uh <laughs> uh Nick thank you for for joining oh. us man it's a pleasure yeah. to meet you Definitely. Likewise. Yeah, no, super excited for this. Thank you so much for having me. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. See yeah. All right. Bye. How very natural. Um, in there too. <laughs> all right. So circling back to what I was asking around, uh, authenticity, uh, building your, your presence and how that ties to revenue. Now you, you had the perspective of the SDR who was doing it and trying to drive revenue at, at Gravy way back when, two years ago or whatever. Um, I'm interested in what that's like for you now with where you're at and you know, having your own, your own shop and uh, particularly with your approach that you're, you're talking about here where uh, you do so you take a gentler approach to content creation and uh, then than some people might but how do you think about that and 
say for one of the main groups of people that I'm making this podcast for is like people trying to gain traction or trying to build something like what you have. Um, so how do you think about, or how has that gone for you basically? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, I, I feel like in a lot of ways, while I'm very rebellious to kind of traditional LinkedIn as in, yeah, probably the softer side. <laughs> and most people will be like, how do you even get traction? You know, or, or maybe call me vanilla or cause I'm not, you know, polarizing. But again, I'm like, I'm not that person in real life. Like I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader and supporter more than I'm going to try to like rip you apart. <laughs> like, I'm just not going to do that, you know? And I think maybe that has to do with more my age, you know, I mean, I'm aging myself. I'm 42. So I've seen a lot. And I think I was probably spicier in my younger years and not that I'm not spicier in other ways. I just think that, um, I, and I share a lot of the grief and the battle that I've been through personally in my life of, you know, losing both of my parents, losing babies. Like, I think when you walk through so much loss, that all of a sudden, a lot of the um, the more polarizing and maybe nitpicking, you know, content or things like that, it's just not appealing to me because that's not appealing to who I am um, in my personal life, you know, offline. Like I want to be somebody who's really for people, you know, and for there. So that ties directly, I believe, to revenue because of also my belief very strongly, even though I was outbound um, when I was an SDR and then when I started building and I was an SDR manager, um, I'm all about like, go for it. <laughs> You know, if you need some, you know, be, put yourself out there, um, you know, find people who need your service and, and just go, you know, and, or your product or whatever it is. And, and I still believe that very strongly, but for me, the content creation angle of it has been completely inverse where it's been 100% inbound. Um, it has ever since from when I started creating content, um, and getting leads before I even knew like, oh my gosh, people actually come to you. <laughs> I had no idea this was a thing because my entire, you know, job was going out, you know, not waiting for inbound leads for sure, you know, talking to inbound leads, but um, being a writer and people naturally seeing, hey, uh, you're a great writer, you know, or I really like the way you you say this, or I like the way you think, um, could you write for me, you know, and I was like, well, of course I can, you know, I've, I've been an editor, I've been my whole journey, actually being in sales um, and in marketing was actually uh, not my, what I didn't go to, I didn't go to school for that. I went to school to be a journalist and to be, and I was, a, you know, an editor and a writer in different ways. Um, so coming to LinkedIn and showing off my skills, I realized like, oh my gosh, I don't have to be overt. You know, I don't have to say buy my services or hire me. Um, every post I put out was a business card, you know, and it still is. Um, all right. I want to dig into that a little bit. So at what point did you start writing for other people or supporting other people in that on LinkedIn? So pretty quickly within probably my first month, I actually got my first freelance, you know, hustle, uh, so to speak of somebody. She, I, it was not ghostwriting LinkedIn post. I was nowhere near that. <laughs> Um, but it was with it, but it was doing just some different blog content and, and just some different, you know, kind of freelance. I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, like they're coming to me to do some stuff. And, um, you know, so I, I thought that was awesome, but within about six months, and then that's actually lined up with when I transitioned out of my full-time role because of different reasons of a uh, stage of life and having little ones and really wanting to spend home and pandemic. Like I've, I've spent whole podcasts just talking about, uh, really being someone who leans into my seasons of life. Um, and 
and not being somebody who carried the solopreneur banner of like, this is what I'm going to do and everybody should do it. I don't think that way. I think it's worked for me for now. And I could easily see myself working for a company again. I don't know. Um, but I work with companies now and I work with a lot of them. So it was a very natural transition of um, people just coming, you know, to me saying, Hey, could you do this for me? And then transitioning to actually doing it. So taking the time to do the work uh, before talking about it at all and transitioning, can't talk, transitioning my content from being very sales and SDR leadership focused to more leadership, which I still love. That's part of my background as well. Um, and into writing and into more content creation, which is what I started to do full time um, very quickly after I left and, you know, built this whole thing up. But 100% of my clients have been inbound. And so I believe very strongly in attraction marketing and um, magnetic marketing, I call it, where it's, you know, you're, you're both attracting and pulling in people who want to work with you because you know, like, and trust you, um, as well as, you know, repel out people that probably wouldn't be good fit. So magnets work both ways. And I think it's so strong when you can position yourself through hopefully my character as much as what I'm writing. So who I am as much as what I'm doing, you know, because I do believe that you can be the best writer in the world, but if you're a jerk, you know, somebody's probably not going to want to work with you. But I also think you can be polarizing and you can be strong and you can have very strong opinions and still be magnetic and still people be very likable and be very like, wow, I want to work with them. Uh, that's spot on. So I'm, I'm amazed that everything you do is inbound. That's fantastic. Do you have any sort of niche or focus in terms of the types of leaders or the types of companies that you work with, or is it kind of across the board? It's definitely across the board. I mean, there are certain things that I'm like, right away, no way, you know, as in like, I just don't have experience and, you know, crypto tech, like a lot of the more technical backgrounds I'll refer, you know, almost immediately, not because like, I couldn't learn it, but I'm also like, you're not going to get the best part of me. You know, I really, um, I really stand more in the um, leadership bracket of, you know, VPs, C-suites, directors, and above the executive level, because a lot of the clients I work with, um, we're not diving into the weeds. I like to keep them more visionary and then empower their team to dive into the weeds more. But when you're talking about a founder, a CEO, um, you know, a, a C-suite and above, like they're going to be more vision leaders and strategic leaders. And so that's where I work very naturally, because that's how I've worked with my bosses before. And um, not as their ghostwriter as much as just their, you know, almost like their right hand, their soundboard. And um, and I'm an, a visionary and an idea person as well. So it just, it naturally connects, I think with those. Um, but, you know, I mean, I've, I've worked with people across all kinds of both service and SaaS, you know, industries. That's really interesting. And I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying. And then I'm I'm trying to think about how that applies to say all those copywriters and, and writers and people trying to break into basically building up their own freelancing business. Right. And the, the advice to niche down is, as you know, very popular. And I, in my mind, there's a lot of, a lot of value in doing that just in in terms of trying to 
cut through the noise, right? To, to be specific enough that somebody can recognize what you do in a way that they might want to hire you. And yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, so based on your timeline, it sounds like you were fairly early to the game when it comes to LinkedIn. And, and correct me if I'm wrong on that, but, uh, but I'm wondering whether that's what you did. How do you do that? To, can you do that today? Can somebody else do that today? Do you think, yeah. or what do you think about that? I'm sure so people I have ask you this all the time. Yeah, it's actually one of my favorite things to talk about because just because my journey has been very different, I'm also the first to say my journey is my journey. Like it's not your journey. It's not if I was to start today, what I would do. You know, um, I I benefited, you know, in so many ways from having a leader go before me again and and having somebody that I was able to learn from and to be encouraged by. And and most people, 90, I mean, what a thousand percent of people don't get that, you know, when you're starting on LinkedIn. So I know that. So I don't try to say, Hey, copy my exact strategy. No way. You know, when I'm mentoring ghostwriters, it's very different. It's very like, you're probably going to have to go outbound. I definitely say like, Hey, if you are going to be writing for a living, it's anything else. Like your post is your business card, you know? So put them out there, showcase your creativity, showcase the way you think, because we're all different. So you think about not only are you going to be working with different, you know, niches and industries, but you think different, you know, so you might think, okay, well, I'm one of a million ghostwriters right now, or isn't LinkedIn ghostwriting saturated? Cause there are definitely some bigger voices and bigger names who are doing this. And I'm like, no, like it's insane. I literally <laughs> turn down every single day and I am at capacity and beyond. And it's also because it's just one of me. I chose, I, I kind of tried to do like, okay, what if I hired other people and, you know, and, and it just didn't work for me. But again, you know, if I wanted to scale and grow a huge age, I totally could. So I'm like, no, like there is so much more demand um, than there is, you know, people able to meet that demand. But you are also, um, while there are a million industries and a million different people you could write for, you're also one of a kind, you know? So it may seem like, oh gosh, there's 500 LinkedIn ghostwriters or, you know, consultants. I'm moving more into the consultant uh, field as well, because I'm like, there's only one of me and I want to help more people. Um, and I can only work really with three to five clients at a time max. And then I'm like, host, you know? Um, so in order to expand that, I'm going to have to expand myself and stretch and I'll probably have to go more outbound and do some things that I haven't done. Cause I'm going to be doing a different, you know, service in a lot of ways. But when it comes to writing, everybody is so unique. Your style is unique. And specifically with ghostwriting, putting yourself out there, what you think, why you think, um, why you think what you're thinking, how you think, like constantly using every single post as a way to showcase your writing and your thinking skills, your strategic skills, and how you would work with other people, you know, because in this industry, you have to be as much of a great steward of um, your characteristics and your ability to extract knowledge from other people, because the point of a ghostwriter is you go away, you know, so I, it's not so much like, hey, you have to love my writing, but it's more hey, you have to trust my writing. You have to trust that I'm a good writer, but also you have to trust that we're going to have a conversation that I can ultimately set myself apart in a way that I can write for you, you know, and I can write differently. So none of that happens online. Like none of that happens publicly. So all of my public posting now, um, or in the sense of if I'm trying to attract clients, it would be that I want to get them in the exact way that Nick does, which is 
If they're interested enough, they're going to click on my profile, see my banner, read about what I do and contact me. And that to me is the most genuine, authentic way of running a business because you are drawing them to say, Hey, I want to work with, you know, Tony, I want to work with, you know, Nick, I want to work with these people because I know them, I like them and I trust them. And I think that they're a dang good writer, you know? So it doesn't matter if there's 50 other people out there doing what you do. I am such an abundance mindset person, not just because like I see it every day, but I genuinely believe it because you're also these, not everybody's going to mesh with every single client, you know? So, so having a specific expertise and specialty, and I'm like, I literally would rebrand, I know we're using that word, but rebrand every ghostwriter as something different because we are different and we love to write about different things, you know? So I, I, I think you're brilliant coming out saying, hey, I'm going to work with attorneys because that's my background. I know what they need. And this is exactly how I'm going to do it. I can't tell you one other attorney writer or attorney consultant, you know, for LinkedIn um, off the top of my head, but I guarantee you could line up every single person who wants to do this and you can find that one thing that's unique and individual to you that you can absolutely leverage because you don't need a million clients. I promise you. And you don't want a million clients. <laughs> I promise you. No, 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 no. That is the, that's the path to destruction. Um, yeah, that's, that's well said. And I, I appreciate the kind words and yeah, my, I mean, my take on creativity, um, the, the way I, I think about it now is just collecting dots and connecting them in a way that you can make something new and valuable. And the, you know, this thing I'm, I've fallen into is just a matter of like, I journalism was actually my first trajectory as well as a copy editor and columnist. And yeah. And, um, uh, so the, I've taken writing seriously for a long time, right. Then I, I spent 12 years as an attorney. I fell into this LinkedIn thing and, and having it turn, you put all those things together and boom, you got a new thing. But I think something people tend to get ahead of themselves on is maybe wanting to niche down too fast where it's saying, okay, I like fitness. I'm going to be a fitness writer where, and just like picking it and then going all in on that thing, maybe without having a, a more of a background than other people, or maybe more of a, a foundation already laid at a, in, and I'm, I'm thinking of, I have a few people in mind who are kind of like, you'll see them kind of bounce around maybe every six months, you know, and it's like, I've got a new approach. I've got a new th thing I'm going after. And I, I guess my point in this is just, does take time to figure some of this stuff out. And so that, I mean, I think of you as a really excellent example for, for how to write. And by the time I ran across you um, almost a year ago now, you had done that transition from the sales specific stuff toward uh, more general like leadership writing and I mean frankly like some of the most heartfelt stuff that you can find on the platform right and, and so by the time I ran across you that's the space you were in um in a way that was that I think is 
for for new writers, I think there's a there's a lot to be said for that about the showing the focusing on showing up genuinely. And if you feel like you don't know anything, then maybe maybe you could talk about how you don't know anything. And like just whatever it is you know about, even if that's not knowing anything, like lean into that and lean into the real thing. But I want to, and I want to be mindful of your time, but I did want to touch on something that I think we have in common and that I found really, really, uh, frankly, helpful in your example as a writer. And it is, you are invariably positive on in what you do i and i think that's right i've never seen like you were saying i've never seen you tear anybody down i've never seen you even really be negative even when you're sharing really difficult stuff and um in in my in my approach i've i've done that as well and and to your point i I am a very opinionated person i do i have a lot of strong opinions somewhere along the line there's uh, there's that decision of, would you rather be right or be happy? And, and I decided I'd rather be happy. So it's, it's fine that not everybody thinks like I think. Um, and I, in this environment we're in online where so much gets polarized and you Facebook or Twitter just turn into absolute cesspools of toxicity. Um, I find I find it amazing that LinkedIn is not that for the, I mean, you can find it if you, but you, you almost have to go looking for it, right? Like it's, it's been amazing to me to find a supportive place where I mean, frankly, I, based on what I know about you, I think you and I probably disagree um, on a number of things, but (laughs) yeah, I, and maybe that could be said for a lot of people, right? (laughs) But, um, but I find, you know, to your point of like knowing, liking, trusting, um, I do feel like I know you. I feel like I, I mean, I like you and I, I do trust you. I trust you as, as a human being and I trust you as, as a writer for what you do. And I'm, I'm going to jujitsu this into a question here in a second. Um, but I do find that to be so powerful and I mean, it's part of why I started this podcast is it's an amazing dynamic where we are able to have these conversations. Um, and I liked what you said about uh, that being authentic, revealing your character and leaning into your character and people of high character can indeed have different opinions on different things, right? Like character is not uh, inherently tied to one or the other. You know what? I'm not even going to ask a question. I'm just going to leave that out there and have you take it from there. Yeah. I I mean, again, like talk about something I could talk about Tom Bloom face. Like this uh-huh. is definitely something. And, you know, the, the one thing too, that um, just to say, like, this isn't a a talk about perfection. You know, I talk about this a lot of like, I choose connection over perfection. And let me tell you, I can be a jerk. I can suck. I can hate myself. I can yell at my kids. Like I can be cold to my husband. I can be jealous and spiteful. I mean, I am human, you know? And just because I don't bring that part of me online, I, because that's the part of me I don't like. 
that is the toxic part of me that I am working through therapy and like year and recovery and like all these things of being forties of like, okay, I need to leave that stuff in the past and hopefully become who I actually am and who I want to be and who I think all of us truly genuinely want to be. But that's not to say like, oh my gosh, you're just a perfect person with this high moral character and standard. I'm like, shit, you know, I don't like me sometimes. That doesn't mean I'm going to bring that part of me on LinkedIn because if something is going to trigger me or is going to be like, you know, I could totally just write something snarky. I mean, every single person can, you know, and for someone to say like, okay, you're not being genuine because you're not being, you know, you're not engaging in this toxic behavior. Or you're not saying what you really think or, you know, deep down. And I'm like, no, like actually my silence is what's communicating more. And honestly, that's better for me because I know if there's something that's triggering me online, it has way less to do with that person or that thing and more to do with something that's going on inside of me. And I need to take the time offline to find out who I am and come back. And that's the only way after three years, I can stay positive because even LinkedIn, you're right. While it's not the successful, <laughs> some other platforms. And it's also why I choose to not spend my time on other platforms because I know myself and I don't want to be around something that is going to make me more and more negative, you know, for the sake of other people's polarizing, you know, point of view or whatever. So when I am online, I do choose to be more positive, not because I don't have negativity in my life or because I'm like an overwhelmingly like perfect person, but because I know that that's what helps me be the best person that I genuinely want to be. And I want to help other people be that person too. You know, like I want to show up as someone's encourager, supporter, because that is genuine to me. And in fact, that's a part of me that is more genuine then, you know, kind of the icky stuff that we all feel and see and can acknowledge. Yes, I can bring that into my content um, and probably will more, you know, as I'm like, hey, look, like I struggle too. <laughs> I I fail all the time. I've had, I've lost clients. I mean, because we just couldn't connect. Like I'm not perfect, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm choosing kindness. And I did write about this because I believe that when we actually choose to not react and when we don't go in the negative bent immediately, that is actually the more costly choice because it causes us to have to put down our ego, to have to put down our anger, to have to put down our right, you know, that we've got all these rights that we're holding up and instead choose to take, and I heard this from someone else, um, the long walk called empathy around to the other person's point of view and try to see from it, even if I don't agree. And then if there is a conversation that needs to be had, we're going to have to have it offline. You know, like I'm not going to be a person to publicly put out anybody because I wouldn't want somebody to do that for me if, and when I do something stupid online, which I'm sure it'll happen, you know? So it's, it, to me just comes down to, um, you know, me showing up genuinely who I want to be, not even like a fake person, but, but who I try to be in my real life and who I am working hard to be always. And that is the side of me that um, I want people to know that they've got that part of them too. And that we don't have to be negative to just get, you know, eyes on our stuff. You know, we can actually be positive and, and genuinely be that person. Mm, that's beautiful. No, I, we, we share that soapbox and you are somebody who's been an example to me of how to effectively do that in, in a, an environment where it's not readily obvious that that's really even available or if you try it, that 
aren't you just going to get trolled out of the building? Right. That aren't you, do you have problems with trolls? I, <laughs> there are, I mean, I, there's definitely been some passive aggressive comments and, you know, on other people's stuff or that, but fast, far and away, it has been positive and supported because I do think most of us try to be adults, you know, and it's like, if you don't like someone's content or you think they're too soft or you think they're too, you know, floaty positive, then, then unfollow or block or whatever, just be gone, you know? And so I'm lucky that I think most of those people, again, magnets repelling that I've probably kind of repelled <laughs> outside of my like, you know, happy words. I'm like, I didn't name my business sad words or angry words, you know, like it's hopefully pretty happy and positive. Um, but you know, but sure. I mean, I get comments and I get things like that. And I'm like, I just block. <laughs> I used to try to engage, but now I'm like, literally like, you're not worth my mental health. And there's something going on now that is so rare. And I'm like, this person clearly has, and it usually will take me a couple of times unless it's just blatant. But, um, you know, if it's more than that, then I'm like, guys, we, we don't have to deal with this, you know, and, and my, my positivity, so to speak, or my optimism, I should, it's probably a better word for it has been born off the back of real true life, grit, loss, death, um, hopelessness, you know, despair, um, addiction, pain, like, it is not born off of this, you know, cloud that I think I live on, you know, and butterfly and rainbow, <laughs> rainbow land. Like it's actually been through really hard stuff that I've had to spend many years really hard working on. And, um, and so that's the kind of positivity that I want to bring is like, this is born off of reality. This isn't born off of la la land. Mm. I, I love that. And it really resonates. And, uh, yeah, my my foundation for what I do out here is similarly informed. I would say it's it's uh, I'm I choose to be optimistic and I choose to be positive, not because my life is all unicorns and rainbows, uh, but because there's enough darkness as is. I, I don't need to go along on the internet bringing darkness with me. Um, and I'll, I'll just say that on the authenticity piece, and, and I think this is something where a lot of people get caught up saying authentic doesn't mean sharing everything. I mean, authentic just means sharing things that are true to you. We are able to choose what we put out there uh, amongst the things. As Whitman said, we contain multitudes, right? As you said earlier, and um, we're able to be authentic without being totally unfiltered and just airing yeah. all the laundry. Wait, we're, we're totally able to do that. All right, Tara, I want to be mindful of your time. You've been really gracious to, to hang out with me this long. Um, your LinkedIn profile is going to be included in the show notes. Uh, is there anything else you want people to know about where to find you? Yeah. So you can find me online as well. Um, happywordsell.com. So that's where I put my services, my offerings. I'm going to be making some updates to those because like I said, ghostwriting has been my thing, but that is <laughs> kind of peeking out and happy. So I'm able to do more workshops, um, consulting, and just give more of me to more people, hopefully as we enter 
2023. But I do want to add one thing just to kind of end your point about not oversharing, you know, that I do think that there is a line for all of us. And it really is internal, but um, I think I put, or somebody said something where it's like, hey, you know, when you're putting out content, um, you know, instead of thinking it about like, it's not really Dear Diary, it's more like Dear Abby, <laughs> and like looking for advice, is this helpful? If someone's reading this, um, you know, can they take something from it? Is it touching, you know, is it educational? Is it entertaining? Um, and then if not, I always say press pause before you press post. And just try to process privately before you post publicly. And then if you're still like, whatever, guns ablaze, and I'm putting it out there and you feel good about it, then go for it. You know, because I think we're often our own worst critic and the stuff that has like made me shake in my boots um, that I've ended up posting has honestly, once I've done those other things of like, let me process this, um, has been some of the things that people still talk to me about that that was impactful for them. So then I know I've hit the mark, but you're right. I think that we've all got to do a little bit of digging before we just put anything and everything out there. Mm. Brilliant. That's a great note to, to end it on. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you wouldn't mind subscribing or if you're feeling really generous, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Can you do that on Spotify? I don't even know if you can do that, but Apple's the one I really care about, actually. And that's just because Apple is the app I use. But I would be much obliged. Um, and I'm really grateful for your time and your attention. I know there are no, uh, there's no shortage of... <laughs> on your attention so thank you very much and i've got a book out in the creative arena it's available on amazon uh, you can find nick at rep your brand uh, his podcast which again is fantastic you can find both nick and tara obviously on linkedin uh, all these links are in the show notes and We'll do it again next week when um, I am again entering uh, a room with a couple people I feel dwarfed by in terms of my understanding of how to, how to effectively uh, grow a community and, and leverage the network to, to grow an audience. And that'll be uh, Darren McKee and Salman Muhuddin. So should be an awesome episode and i'll see you out in lincoln land have a good one y'all